Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Very excited to have Kevin Cassidy on the program today. I would like to tell you how Kevin and I got connected, and then I would like to uh, chat a little bit about Kevin's background. So I'm sure most of you listening have been using LinkedIn over the past several years. Well, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. In fact, maybe you even discovered this podcast through a post that I did. Well, I was really excited because uh, we had been working on a platform, which we'll talk about later, uh, for several years. And when that platform was done, I made a post on LinkedIn and, and let the world know that it was uh, available for viewing. And Kevin responded to that, and that's how we got connected. So it just goes to show you the power of connections. But let me tell you a little bit about Kevin as I've gotten to know him. Um, you know, Kevin started his career at LinkedIn. Uh, I was very fortunate to work with Nicholas Draca and his team back at the same era when Kevin was there, but we never worked together. He is based out of Dublin, Ireland. And, uh, you know, Kevin, what I could say is, as I've gotten to know you and your skills and expertise, uh, if you were here in Silicon Valley, your phone would be ringing off the hook with companies trying to recruit you and hire you. And who knows, maybe that happens in Dublin, Ireland, but uh, you're a bit of a unicorn. You've got, uh, you've got not only tremendous marketing expertise, but as we've been working together now this past year, you have extreme technical expertise, and that enables you in your role to really take a look at the problems, not just from a marketing lens, but from a technical lens as well, and being able to drive the infrastructure there. And, uh, you know, I love the feedback that you give my team when uh, we're enhancing the product and working on the platform. It's really been just a, a really great partnership. So thank you very much for taking time out of your day and joining me on the podcast. And uh, how's everything in Dublin today? Well, thanks, David. Appreciate that intro and, you know, happy to be here. So thank you for having me. Uh, it's not too bad in Dublin. It's not raining, which is uh, quite unusual for us, believe it or not. We really needed to talk yesterday because since since you're ahead of time, you could have told me what the winning lottery numbers were. Somebody just won, I think it was $1.2 or $1.6 billion here in the United States. Single winner out of North Carolina. So big day in America for someone somewhere. Amazing. Amazing. So tell, tell me a little bit more before we talk about uh, what I want to focus on today, which is should you have a central marketing operations function, central demand center, or should you democratize any of that? And you're going to provide the answers and the insights there. But before we get into that, can you just share with me a little bit on your path? I mean, you're now at Sage, which is a 13,000-person company. Uh, you have how many CRMs currently? About 73 CRMs at the moment. Only 73 CRMs to deal with, but you guys have a, a plan to consolidate all of those, which makes sense. And so I think a lot of people have heard of the brand Sage over the years, but don't really know the size and scale and their their leadership uh, early on in, in accounting software and the moves that they're making. But um, after LinkedIn, you uh, you moved over to, to Twitter, and that was a chance for you to be in the marketing operations group, right? That's it, exactly. Yeah, um, you know, working 
for me, it's always been a kind of eloquent Salesforce setup in, in most of my career. So, um, you know, Twitter, a, a young company at the time, about 3,000 employees, and they were looking to, I suppose, move outside of the US in terms of their, their marketing automation. So I, I came in as employee number one um, outside of the US uh, in terms of the marketing automation space and, and started, I suppose, building out the, the campaign infrastructure for, for mainly EMEA for Europe, Middle East and Africa. So a very interesting time in Twitter. What's it like working in the remote offices for these companies, whether that's LinkedIn or, or Twitter, you know, when you've got HQs here in America and you guys are satellite functions, how's that been? It's really interesting. Um, I think one of the, the best parts about it is, is the culture. Um, you know, if you look at, especially in the space of Dublin, where you have a lot of the American companies setting up their international headquarters, uh, what you'll find is you get a, a massive amount of uh, just uh, people coming in from the different parts of Europe specifically, uh, both in LinkedIn and Twitter, you know, more than 50% of the staff in the office are are from countries outside of Ireland. Um, you know, so you, everywhere you look or listen, you're just hearing French, Spanish, German, Italian, um, you know, languages everywhere. So I think one of the really nice things is just getting to know people from different countries and, and learning a lot about their culture um, and just really expanding your network in that way. Um, I think what we find then is is on the converse is, is the difficulty then is, is always being that satellite office and I suppose trying to, you know, build things out in in a very kind of diverse culture like that can be quite difficult when you start looking at, you know, I suppose kind of picking up programs or marketing campaigns that have happened in the US where it might have been very straightforward, maybe launched in one language, really only looking at maybe, you know, two or three time zones. And when you try and then, you know, pick that up and say, right, we want to roll this out in in Europe, uh, you know, you can get into a lot of complexity very quickly, whether it's to do with languages, cultural differences, uh, you know, legal differences. And so it gets, it's quite interesting. But for for someone like me, I love that kind of challenge. So uh, it's, it's quite interesting. It definitely seems like you like challenges. You're you're fearless, which is a theme I think for a lot of the people that I have on the podcast. You did um, you were the co-founder and head of marketing for 100 Minds, which is very different than than the world that you live every single day. And what I take away from that, love for you to share a little bit how that came to be, is that you like teaching and mentoring and and growing and developing people. That's that's what jumps out at me when I look at your role there. How did that how did that get started? And is my assessment correct that you're, you're about amplifying education and opportunity? A hundred percent. So a uh, hundred minds, it's, it's a great story, but uh, one that would take up a lot longer in this podcast. But to give you a quick intro, it was, um, it was actually a friend of mine came to me with the idea. Uh, we were in college together and um, when we left college, I went into LinkedIn, as we said, and he went into Google uh, and he kind of came to me about four or five months after we started our roles and, and he kind of said, Hey, I was thinking about how we got our jobs and you know, how maybe a lot of our friends, um, you know, or, or colleagues in college didn't get jobs or didn't get jobs as easily. Um, and he came to realize that it was, you know, we were the type of people who it wasn't about our, you know, what classes we took or what grades we got, but it was about the extracurricular activities that we did in college, whether it was being class rep or getting involved in a college society or part-time jobs or charity work. Um, it was that practical real life experience was what got us our jobs. Um, and the idea of 100 Minds was to create a platform whereby um, third level students could actually get that real life experience. Um, so it was a week built 100 Minds, which was a program that basically took on um, 100 students plus every year, gave them a mentor of somebody who had 
recently transitioned from college into into a good job um, and challenged them to raise 1,000 euro each for a, a given charity that we would have chosen. Uh, and so it, it kind of had this win-win-win scenario whereby the uh, the students were getting this practical experience. You yeah. know, So for example, if they had to raise that 1,000 euro, you know, let's say they decided to do a pub quiz and they had to go out and find a venue, deal with the management, do all the marketing for the events, selling all the tickets, dealing with sales, dealing with management. So they'd come out with these real life skills and practical experience that when they were going to a job interview, they could actually talk about real life stuff instead of just theoretical stuff they had learned in college. And obviously the charity benefited, um, you know, from the money that was raised, every cent went to charity. And so we raised over um, a million euros in in the first three years so about 1.3 million dollars and for children charities in ireland um and then obviously the the actual mentors themselves we brought in who were usually you know as i said very early in their career would actually get that mentorship or management experience in terms of the students and they'd bring through the platform so it was kind of this win-win-win scenario Um, and as i said it was just very um i suppose kind of a pure organic nice um thing and and it's still running to this day although we've kind of handed over ownership to to a charity in dublin who runs it themselves now. That's great. The The reason, Kevin, I wanted to hit those points is I really want everyone to listening uh, to know very quickly who they're listening to. And, you know, it may not, maybe it is obvious to you, maybe it's not, but you're passionate about marketing. You're passionate about marketing technology. You're fearless when it comes to trying new things and testing new things. And you're a natural born leader and educator. So the fact that you are in a role to build a global marketing automation team with those type of skills and expertise for people who are listening to this podcast and thinking, you know, do I centralize my marketing operations and and marketing automation and campaign functions or do I decentralize it? It's always one of those answers that, you know, we can say, well, it depends. And I think a big part of whether that decision is you know, uh, centralized or democratized has to do with the leadership. And you are certainly willing to put the time and effort to make your team, your global team, really successful with the onboarding, which we're going to get into. So let's do that. Let's let's get into it. You were selected by Oracle to come out to their conference last year and give a talk on scaling your marketing automation and global team. And, you know, for a lot of folks uh, listening, let's start with results um, and what has happened since uh, Kevin and the team have been doing that for just the past 18 months. And that's now about, oh, almost about six, seven months ago, uh, was able to create an 80% reduction in time to market for campaigns. 80% 80% reduction in how fast they could get a ticket and get that campaign in flight. A 45% reduction in campaign costs, so the cost to produce a campaign, saving time and budget in marketing, and uh, incredible 100% consistency with their customers, which is the, the folks that they're working with. So those are just some of the metrics. And, you know, Kevin, it's a question I get all the time, centralized, decentralized. So let's dig in on on your philosophy there, and then let's get to how you've done it, how you scaled it, and and how it's going now six months later. Yeah, and you know it, it's it is the kind of magic question. It's it's the one that everyone wants to know the answer to. And and as you said, it does definitely depend. Um, and I think for us in in Sage, and to give some background, and um, the way when I joined Sage, you know, three years ago. It was completely decentralized, um, you know, to the point that we had 26 different marketing automation tools. We had multiple instances of Eloqua, we had Pardot, we had 
Mercado, we had MailChimp, name it, we had it. Um, and in most cases, in multiple instances. Um, we had no consistency. Um, you know, you look at our the branding, you look at the, you know, in terms of even just from a legal um, perspective where somebody might unsubscribe from one system and then we email them by, in, by accident from another system. Um, you know, paying agencies to do the work, um, you know, mixed messages, duplication of efforts, repeating the same stuff in, in the different systems. You know, so for us, we were starting from a very, very decentralized place um, and one that had a lot of, I suppose, easy wins by pulling it all together. So, so our approach um, was to centralize everything. Let's bring it all into the middle. Let's get one system in place. Let's get one team to execute it um, and and put one process in place that will just make things work end to end. Um, so that's what we spent those first kind of um, 18 months doing was pulling it all in and, um, you know, getting rid of all the external marketing automation tools, getting rid of all our agencies who are doing marketing automation work for us um, and really just nailing down a one end to end process that works really well. Um, and that's that's where we saw those metrics coming in. That's where we were able to speed up. You know, one of the things that um, one of our stakeholders said to us and, and literally word for word said, I can now get a campaign into market faster than it used to take me to set up a meeting with my marketing agency to discuss when we might be able to do a campaign and you know and it was that kind of i suppose approach and and that's why we decided to centralize things and that's why it's worked really well now in that last six months what we've seen is is now that we have that control and that kind of process and everything is in a very robust one way of working it's actually allowing us to decentralize some of the pieces of the puzzle and but in a very very controlled manner so still being controlled from the center but giving back some of the um you know some of the power back into the regions and back to the field marketing team so they can execute some of the stuff themselves Um, and one of the big drivers that's allowed us to do that is campaign launchpad well thank you and for those of you who don't know what campaign launchpad is uh, a little quick uh commercial so as I mentioned earlier, we had been working on a platform at DemandGen. We have you know, hundreds and hundreds of customers that we have worked with with the same challenges that Kevin has. And they would come to us and say, look, Eloqua is a sophisticated platform. There's a lot of power to it. And the challenge that we have is that we only have a handful of people that can use the platform because of its power and sophistication. And if we have to you know, add more people to it, there's a steep learning curve and training curve. Uh, we have to worry about governance. We have to worry about consistency and campaigns being on brand. And I can go on and on. You guys know the challenges, right, of, of trying to scale use and adoption of a marketing automation system. So we at DemandGen set out to solve that problem. And we started working on a platform for one customer that is now called Campaign Launchpad. And when we finished the second version of the platform and had it uh, in market and successful, I decided it was time to tell the world about it. We actually haven't done any marketing, Kevin, as, as you probably know, except for that one LinkedIn post about a year ago where I said, hey, would anybody like to see Eloqua 11? Okay, because for those of you who don't know, uh, Eloqua's current version is called Eloqua 10, and that was when it followed Eloqua 9. So I posted that online, and Kevin sent a little text message uh, back in the post and said, I would like to see it, not really knowing much about what it was. Uh, I think the next text that I got was someone from Oracle saying, "Um, are you really going to call this product that you're making Eloqua 11? Because if so, I think we have an issue with that. And I said, no, no, no. There was quotes around it. It's not really Eloqua 11. So I did either take down or alter the post. Actually, I think I deleted it. And um, you and I got connected. And I gave you a demo of what it was. And I remember your reaction, which was, 
wow, I've, I've either built things like this or wanted to build things like this. Uh, you, you were very interested. And I think at that point, if you remember, it was one of our longest sales cycles. And I kept you know, uh, encouraging my sales team to say, hey, check in with Kevin, see if there's interested. And uh, you know, if this is not the world's strongest buying signal ever, I remember you said to me something like, hey, Dave, I've told my manager that if I don't get this, I'm out of here. Something like that, as I recall, right? Did I, do I have that right? Not far off, pretty <laughs> no. much word for word. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, uh, I told our, told our sales rep, I said, you know, that's the strongest buying signal I've ever seen. And it's, it's not if, it's, it's when. Tell me what it's been like. Um, you, you made that point that you couldn't have done it without Launchpad. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that um, and, and how you went to market with that in, internal in your team and the, and the pain points that it solved. That's it. You know, as I said, we, we started by, you know, pulling all our control into the center, building a, a centralized team. And, you know, I ended up in a team of uh, about 22 marketing automation specialists who are all Eloqua experts. They're all Eloqua masters. Most of them are Eloqua luminaries, hoping for 100% completion this year. Um, you know, so they they are amazing. You know, but the problem is when you when you start looking at the, the breakdown of, of campaigns and activities that the team are focusing on. You know, there's still a lot of that kind of once off. You know, whether it's newsletters or just email blasts or special offers. There's a lot of this repeatable stuff that you know it was, in my eyes, almost wasting the talents of the marketing automation specialists who had become these eloquent experts who could really advise on much bigger best practice multi-channel always on you know marketing campaigns um, and to have them just kind of executing these once-off campaigns with a lot of back and forth with the with the field marketing team it felt like a waste of time and talent so what what we saw was Eloqua is too big and clunky to give to the hands of most field marketers you know if you're not in it using it every day and really committed to becoming you know an expert in it that's where, as we said, that's where you get mistakes, um, whether it's governance and legal issues or whether it's branding issues or anything like that. So, you know, Campaign Launchpad is, you know, it sits on top of Eloqua, fully integrated, and it just allows us to give access to do these things, whether it's, you know, an email blast or a landing page, um, but in a really, really controlled environment. Um, really easy step by step, you know, follow the steps through and you can't get it wrong. Um, and I think for, for me, uh, you know, and for our team and for Sage, this is what we needed. We needed to be able to control it from the center, but allow the regions and, um, you know, the field marketers to actually go in and do this stuff themselves. Um, you know, and, and with Launchpad, we still have the ability to, you know, do a final QA on campaigns and make sure they're, you know, there's nothing wrong with them, make sure they're still on brand. Um, you know, and that, that means, you know, instead of us spending a couple of hours building something for, for a field marketer, you know, all we have to do is a few minutes of QA. Um, so if you can imagine the time saving and, and I suppose the increase in um, volume and capacity that we can now roll out, and um, not to mention, of course, the satisfaction from the regions kind of feeling like they have that power back again and um, the field marketing team being able to just go in and actually execute their own campaigns. Um, it's just been incredible. It's really, really, and it's been going so well. And, you know, for me, I think one of the favorite things about working with, you know, Campaign Launchpad and David and his team, you know, it's been, I suppose, your willingness, um, you know, to to listen to our feedback and take on, on board any ideas that we have and, you know, updating the product and adding features has just been, you know, I don't think I've ever seen a company move so quickly, um, you know, in terms of getting stuff done. So it's been really, really fantastic experience for us and, and really changing, um, you know, how our, how our entire marketing function works. 
Well, thank you. I, I will make sure that Ilya, uh, who leads the whole engineering effort, uh, listens to this podcast. It's it's been you know his vision and his baby. It's so fun to work with him, and I do. I love the whether it's the conversations or the emails that you sent over with the feature requests, and you know we distill that down and prioritize it, and then he gets his team to work, and and we we knock it out. And you know, again, we've spent the last year building up the client base and building up the success of the platform, and now working on uh, version 4.0, which has you know been from from your input and Sebastian at, at NetApp and, you know, so many of the, the folks that have really helped shape the product. Well, let's let's pause the commercial there. I mean, I, I, I thank you for um, all the kind words. Uh, I do want to move to a lot of the process stuff because you can have the best technology in the world. You definitely have to hire great people, but it really comes down to the training and process that you put in place. Even though the platform's simple to use and you can get a, what, an Eloqua campaign out in, in minutes and and know that it's protected, there's a process, right? And you, you've you really, and I don't know if you're willing to share it with folks, but I know from the presentation that you gave at Oracle, you know, you, you put together an Excel spreadsheet. I think it was Excel, maybe it was Google. No, I think it's Google, that had a list of all the different skills and capabilities and functionality that someone needs to know and be proficient on. And I'm curious if you can share how that came to be and how you've done the training and, and onboarding for the team. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, as I said, we have a we have a, an amazing team, um, about 20 marketing automation specialists. And, you know, for me, I, as I said, I had done this job essentially when I worked in Twitter, when I worked in LinkedIn, you know, doing this, this whether it's working in Eloqua and launching campaigns or working with data or, you know, getting leads into Salesforce and lead scoring, all the various pieces along the way. Um, you know, so for me, what I was able to do was quite simply list out all of the skills that were required to be able to do this job to be an expert in this job and basically say these are all the skills you need to have and broke them into sections whether it was eloqua related stuff salesforce related stuff you know coding related stuff whether it was email marketing and um, you know all the way down as far as you know who are the people in the business you need to know and um, you know which teams do you need to meet who are your stakeholders going to be um, and even as far as then you know the actual kind of almost softer skills whether it's kind of communication skills or or time management or project management to be able to actually deal with your day-to-day work so i broke that down into all of these literally line items and said okay you need to be 100 percent able to do all of these things to a certain skill level um, and for me it didn't matter if you were joining the team fresh out of college you know 21 22 year old coming out of college or if you were you know somebody coming in you know with 20 or 30 years marketing experience um, for me i gave every single person on the team the exact same onboarding plan and said, hey, within two months, I expect you to be at 100% for every single one of these things. Um, now, I didn't just give that to them and throw them a deep end. Uh, you know, everybody who joins the team gets, um, you know, assigned uh, what we call an ambassador, um, who's another member of the team who's obviously experienced and kind of helped them through that journey of learning what they need to learn. Yeah. We have a, you know, a 70-page playbook, um, you know, which is, you know, originally was just, you know, lots of kind of separate guides and stuff. And we've turned that into a playbook of how to do the job. Um, you know, and and I think one of the most important features of the of the onboarding you know document uh, was that everybody started at a different point. Um, you know, so when you come in, you actually self-rate yourself on every line item in there, whether it's you know the campaign canvas in Eloqua, whether it's HTML coding, whether it's the leads object in Salesforce. You self-rate yourself and say, hey, I think I'm at 60% on this, or I think I'm at 5% on this, um, and at least then you know, and you have a weekly check-in to see where you're at, and that allows us as either as the people manager or as the ambassador to kind of say, okay, I can see that you're struggling in this area, and um, let's focus on that this week, and um, you know, giving them either test 
business campaigns or real campaigns or um, giving them demos uh, or giving them external courses or classes or online classes just to help them get there. Yeah. Uh, and what, what we end up with is by the end of the two months, every single person has this, what I kind of call the minimum required skill set to do this job. Um, now, it doesn't mean they're an expert um, in every area, but it means that they have the minimum required skills to do that job now, um, you know, which for me is, is really important. Love it. And so let me let me paint a picture because in podcasts, you can't see anything. You can just hear us, but we can describe it. So picture um, an Excel document or Google Sheets in this case. And in on the rows, if you will, start off thinking of those as sections. So section one is Eloqua and section two is Salesforce. And then under that, are the various tasks, those roles and responsibilities that Kevin was describing. And going out to the right, the columns are dates. The columns are weekly increments. And you know, to get 100% in any area, you're not going to get there overnight. So every week, these scorecards that are being reviewed between Kevin and his team, he increments uh, or the team increments their competency in that area until they achieve 100% in all of those areas. So hopefully you can picture that. You mentioned the campaign implementation playbook. I know the graphic that you've shown me before looks like an actual hardcover book. It, is it a hardcover book, or is that just good marketing? That's just good marketing. Right. It's 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 actually a Google Doc as well. That's um, awesome. You know, exactly the same thing. You know, we, you know, it's it's a fluid document. It's you know, kind of like a resume. It's never going to be finished. Um, you know, processes change, or we add you know functionality to different things. But, um, you know, again, we kind of roll that out. And and the way I've described it to my team is that if you're doing something that isn't documented, and uh, it's one of two things. One is it should be documented, or two is you shouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it's for me as a global team. Um, um, you know, we should be operating the same way, whether you're based in Brazil or Canada or Ireland or, you know, it doesn't really matter where you are. Everyone should be operating in the same way on a, on a, this kind of global single process and way of working. So, um, you know, I've, I've, as I said, you know, just because you're doing something that's doc, not documented doesn't mean it's wrong. It could be great. It could be something brand new, new way of doing things, a better way of doing things. Um, let's document it and make sure the whole team know about it and make sure that everyone can kind of benefit from it and learn from each other. So it's one of the big things that we have on the team is a really good camaraderie where everybody wants to help each other and teach each other and, and I suppose just become better at what they do on a day-to-day basis. It's great. I mean, all the process, all the structure, the mentoring, the coaching, and the training you've you've brought really you know helps get the team to where they need to. It's a big team, big growing team. Uh, I was at a conference speaking, uh, doing a keynote. Uh, what was it? Uh, you know, in the middle of uh, middle of October. Depends when somebody listens to that. And up came a slide of a private island, and it looked gorgeous. And it was somewhere I'm sure in the Caribbean. Don't know where, but amazing. And then they said the magic words. Uh, of, uh, so this is where sales goes for a club, for the top achievers in club. And all I thought at that moment was from this beautiful tropical island to like, how come there's no marketing club yet? And um, we in marketing don't get to celebrate our successes maybe as much as as we should. And you created something internal there called the Mammies. And so so tell me about that as a program to help really uh, put the spotlight on the the accomplishments of, of the marketing team. Yeah, so really interesting. This actually idea was not original to mine. This was actually Nicola Draca's idea um, that he had in LinkedIn. He called it the Kick-Ass Award. Um, and I've taken the exact same concept um, and called it the Mammies, which for us is the equivalent of the Marketing Automation Grammys, essentially, is what the play on words is there. Yeah. Um, whereby every quarter, um, so once per quarter, each person on the, on the global team gets to present 
anything they want that they've done that quarter that they are particularly proud of um, and that can be anything from you know a project they've done a tool they've built uh, you know some sort of campaign that they've run that had great results or an a b test that they learned something from yeah. um, they present this you know uh, over skype usually because we're a global team and um, we bring in three judges from other parts of the business who could be you know in other marketing functions or in sales or anything and um, who judge um the, the presentations and they choose a winner each quarter uh, and that winner is given um, an award which is an actual trophy that we um, get engraved and they're also given a day off um, so an extra an extra day of PTO um, and again this is just a really nice way of, of one motivating the team to you know think outside the box think of things that can you know be impactful to the business in terms of either you know saving time or money and you know can can be kind of scaled or or, or creative or innovative and you know but also giving the team a platform to you know show other team members what they're working on but also to show other parts of the business what they're working on and you know and of course when the when the winner comes out we actually we put that up on a on a landing page um, and we share that you know on our internal intranet saying hey the winner of the mammies this quarter was x y and z and this is the project they did check it out here and you know so just trying to give the team that that platform and the credit you know where credit's due for doing really really good work Um, and it's it's actually been incredible some of the stuff that's been presented is just mind-blowing stuff that could easily be uh, you know winning winning awards on bigger stages such as you know um, you know the marquee awards in, in with Oracle or something. That's great. I I didn't realize that was uh, that was born out of uh, Nick's idea. Like you said, the Kickass Awards. And for those of you who don't know, Nicholas Draca, Nicholas and I have, have worked. Our teams have worked together several times at Infoblox and and at LinkedIn. And he is French, and he has a very strong French accent. So when he'll sometimes be on stage and, and talk about that he put the kick-ass awards together, you can't even tell what he's saying. And you're like, what, what, what's the name of the awards? So may, maybe Mammy's is a little bit more digestible and, and global. Great, great idea. Well, Kevin, thanks, thanks for joining me on the program. I mean, you're, by my calculations, maybe six, seven years into your career post-college and doing some incredible work, great leadership, uh, great innovation, big risk taking and you know being at a company that is 13,000 employees and for you to driving change in the organization you know I'm working on my book Agents of Change and that was why I wanted to get you on the program because you you represent that persona of marketing leadership and just business leadership that is bringing about change in the organization and I kudos to you for doing it keep driving it you remind me a lot of of Rob Mayo who I've also had on the program just how driven you are and uh, I wish you the best of luck in your career, I have no, like I said, if you were here in Silicon Valley, you'd, you'd, uh, you'd not answer your phone. You are a unicorn of sorts, and um, I'm sure just adding tremendous value to the team. So keep it up. Uh, thank you again for being a great client and a great partner and pushing us to make the best platform in the world that we can for all of you. And uh, for all of you tuning in, if you want to reach out to me uh, and have the conversation about you know centralized or decentralized Global Demand Centers, happy to have that with you. And you can find Kevin on LinkedIn pretty easily, Kevin Cassidy. So maybe uh, make a new connection there as well. But Kevin, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks very much, David. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Demand Gen Radio. Thanks, everybody, for always tuning in. And thank you for sharing uh, the content with your teams and everyone else. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment and going to iTunes and maybe leaving a review or just even a check, uh, whatever stars you want to give to the program, that helps increase the visibility of the program. And I'm trying to get as many people out there to hear the content and hear from people like Kevin who have great stories uh, to share with you all. That's going to do it. We'll catch you on the next episode. Take care. 
You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.